0: Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you may be, and welcome to today's conversation with. Uh, and as I say, I think almost every Tuesday, we have a real treat for you folks today uh, a genuine rock star in the customer experience space and an actual rock star. Uh, he's had his own show on Amazon Prime, James Dodkins. And not only is James, as I said, a rock star consultant and trainer, he's also an international keynote speaker, best selling author. And uh, I've seen him described as a CX luminary. Uh, So we've got, again, a real treat for you focus today. Um, And just a few more details on James before we jump right in, because I uh, I feel like everyone's holding their breath waiting for me to get through this point. Uh, But as I mentioned, James has been seen as a real luminary. And today's topic is focused around proactive experience recovery. Uh, And I'll have James talk a bit about where this uh, concept came from and where he believes it can be most impactful moving forward. But this is some real forward thinking. Uh, When you think of proactivity, we've got our uh, basic understanding in the digital space of uh, proactively engaging with your consumers. But when you're talking about experience recovery, uh, how do we get in front of possible negative experiences and how do we create and turn that into a, a positive experience? Um, James has been mentioned, as as I mentioned, uh, one of the uh, leading customer experience influencers featured in Forbes con- uh, constantly, uh, and I, it's a real, real, real pleasure. I can't even speak. I'm so excited, James. Uh, James, can you actually hear me? Yes,
1: sir. I can't. Don't worry. I'm so excited that I also cannot speak. I am just so uh, speechless. Okay. Okay.
0: Perfect, perfect. Yeah. Uh I got all dressed up for you too. So I didn't sorry man. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's 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 more of a uh they've actually given me guidelines on how to dress and I have someone helping me do it. So it's less about me and more so I'm getting coached in the right direction, right? I think I
1: might ne- might need to have a little chat to you about how to dress after. You're looking sharp, man. You got that uh, James
0: Bond thing going on. I'm trying with that. Yes. Uh but uh James, I wanted to before we actually dive in Let's take a step back, analyze how you've been doing throughout this COVID pandemic. Uh, Have you read anything, learned anything new? Uh, How have you been challenging yourself the past couple of months?
1: Um, So I read, I say that, I don't read at all. What I read is the title of a book and then download it and listen to it. So I listen to lots of books. Um, I do it constantly, listen to loads and I've been listening to loads during lockdown as well, because We've been given state-mandated once-a-day walks that we can go on, so we can go on a walk once a day. And so you try and make that last as long as possible, so you stick a little book in your ear, you listen. So I've listened to loads. Um, probably the one that's had the biggest impact on me hasn't got anything to do with customer experience. It's a book called, and you should all get this, The Simple Path to Wealth by J.L. Collins. And the where the book came from, was he is an investor he invests his money but he does it in a really simple way he doesn't think he, he's not warren buffett he doesn't sit there and go hmm i'm gonna buy stocks in tesla he just puts all his money into index funds which is essentially just every company that's on the stock market he's buy a little bit of all of it so a big fund and his daughter he was trying to explain it to his daughter and she was like don't care dad I'm not interested and um so he was like, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start writing letters to you so that when you are interested, I'm just going to lay out the simplest path to be smart with your money. And, yeah, then it turned into a book. And it's wicked. It's really good. Changed my complete outlook on money completely, uh, which yeah. is cool, because lockdown ruined my speaking career. <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, you're on here, right? So this is a I mean, yeah. I mean, other than this. Of course, right. Uh, well, we'll book you again for next week and the following two weeks. James, uh, I'm free. Yeah. So uh, James, I, I love to ask this next question because some, you know, like myself, uh, I have an undying loyalty for some brands for either a positive experience or a real uh, and turned off from a negative experience with other brands that I've had in the past have you had as a consumer a particularly memorable experience either good or bad recently or ever well to mind?
1: i i try and engage with companies the least amount possible <laughs> it's, it's just it's not um but the the one that's to be fair the, the one that probably stands out to me the most during covid during lockdowns has actually been amazon and i know this is going to be one that everybody talks about amazon mm. all the time but as far as i'm concerned they haven't missed a beat of course demand went through the roof right as we weren't allowed to buy things from normal shops anymore it drove everybody to buy on amazon which fair or unfair as you may think it doesn't matter that's a fact so so much more demand from amazon but they didn't miss a beat Mm. they still managed to deliver that consistent experience every single time fast easy simple so whereas i'd love to give you some big fancy story of this happened and then an angel flew through a window and fixed it. It, it doesn't happened. The thing that stands out to me the most is Amazon.
0: Right. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, giving them credit, right? They've, they've obviously had a tremendous opportunity here and they've done it. Well, mm-hmm. um, I found even as myself, um, I make purchases and they'll have an estimated delivery date and they'll often over deliver on that date, you know, yep. be a, a week faster. Um, so, Let's get actually to the topic, James, proactive experience recovery. Uh, before I go into my high level spiel of how I understand it, and you can correct me where I'm wrong, yeah. uh, let's have you actually share what it is in your eyes first. And I know you've coined this concept a few years back.
1: Yeah. So it's it's like service recovery, mm-hmm. but about the entire experience and proactive and better. Got it. So essentially, it's just, it's it's just identifying the things that can go wrong in your experiences, right. monitoring the experiences as they happen. When you notice know something's gone wrong, you get in front of it. You proactively get in touch with the customer, let them know you know something's gone wrong, and then put it right, fix it. That's it. That's all you got to do.
0: So, and James, I heard you on a podcast. Uh, you can see I've done my research. Um, you had had a discussion about how you came up with this initiative, and I believe you're on a flight. Uh, The flight was delayed. I think it was um, something out of Australia. And you were wondering, you know, they just sent me an in-flight survey about how my flight was. Of course it was terrible. I was delayed. So Yeah. yeah, go ahead. So it was, again,
1: landing late delays. Everybody gets annoyed by delayed flights. And so it's not really rocket science to realize that when that happens, customers are going to be dissatisfied so right. then if you send a text after saying hey on a scale of one to ten hey, where is the logic in that you already know it was bad why are you are you just hoping that i give you a good score so you can look good to your other departments and you it, it's stupid and it made me think why don't you spend that energy send me a text saying hey we landed three hours late we know that sucks here's something that we're doing to put it right and it made me start to think why don't companies do this? There, there's so many things out there that piss customer. Can I say piss? I just did. Yeah. Can, I, can I, I repeatedly say it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, is- right, I won't. I won't. There are lots of things that annoy customers that we know. We know about them. We know the things that annoy our customers. We've right. got that data, whether it be complaints data, whether it be online negative sentiment, mm-hmm. the experiences that have the lowest scores and then the highest words that get mentioned in it. we've got all this data we can tell what annoys our customers right why don't we do something about it why when when the thing happens in the experience why do we not put it right why do we wait for the complaint and there is actually an answer for that it's only because only four percent of dissatisfied customers are going to complain the rest well the overwhelming majority of the rest will just vote with their feet they'll never use you again and that's not true in every industry right um but overall apparently according to stats which are always correct <laughs> like right. the overwhelming majority of the people that don't complain will just never use you again but right. in a company we don't really care about that we care about the four percent are 100 people on that flight for example there was a lot more but for I'm not very good at math so 100 people on that flight four of them are likely to complain. It's easier for us just to deal with those four complaints than try and actually make the hundred people happy. So I, I understand why companies don't do it, right. but I still don't understand why companies don't do it, if that
0: makes yeah. sense. Yeah, so I'm happy. I'm, I was on the money, James, um, and uh, in the least creepy way possible, I was dreaming about you in this concept last night. I'll actually say I actually, I was more awake than anything. I didn't fall asleep. Uh, I stayed up late. I have a young daughter. So as soon as you're awake once, you're awake. And uh, I was thinking while laying in bed how terrific it would be if my Lisa mattress, which is, you know, uh, we'll say smart years to come, uh, is connected to my Garmin watch, which can essentially analyze how many times I breathe in a night if I'm snoring, if I'm moving a lot. Uh, how wonderful would it be if there was some way that Lisa knew I didn't sleep well and could find a way to compensate me uh, the next day or Uh, again this is some wild forward thinking uh but this is you know the sort of negative experience that if you can and have an opportunity to do so you're right you should get in front of it well
1: i mean it's a cool thing to think about i don't necessarily think it would fall under this banner because of course this is stuff that like it's maybe it's not is i mean is it the mattresses fault you didn't sleep well i don't know maybe it is but do you know what i would do i'd be selling selling that data to amazon so amazon can then start showing you ah Get these lavender-scented pillow right things. Yeah, for, uh, positive. Yeah, so still, still a good idea, man. We just sell that data to Amazon. Yeah. We make a bunch of money off that, and then Amazon <laughs> sell people like sleep aids or whatever.
0: Yeah, you can feel my delirious sleep state when I was considering this idea, uh, but it, it makes perfect sense. And um, like you said, you know we're only paying attention to the four that do complain. You have 96 that were turned off from you. You need to find a way to get in front of all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So absolutely right on the money. Um, Now, what do you feel, uh, what sort of application do you see uh, this possibly having in the years to come? Do you see scenarios where people actually try and adopt this? I understand ROI is a big concern, right? How do you measure the ROI and how do you? Yeah. It? I mean, that's the
1: tough one because there, there aren't that many companies that are actually doing this because it is hard to yeah. show that it's going to. So, some companies that have adopted it that I've worked with, they get a ten x back from the money they spend to put things right for customers. They mm-hmm. get a ten x back, but it's there's there's not enough companies that have done it to be able to say that with any sort of certainty. I could not guarantee that if you decided to adopt this, you'd get a 10x return. I I can't say that, but it's the right thing to do. And that's what what interests me. Because if something goes wrong in an experience and you know that it's gone wrong and you decide not to put it right because you think it's going to cost you Mm. less money, to just sort of ignore it. That's not the right thing to do. The right thing to do is to be reaching out to your customers, letting them know that this thing has gone wrong. Even if you haven't noticed it yourself yet, this this is gone wrong and we're putting it right. This is what we're doing to put it right. This is how we're going to compensate you for this. And the thing is the amount of goodwill you will get from that. I can't quantify. Um, I'd like to be able to quantify it, but I can't right now, but the word of mouth, Goodwill, you'd get the the loyalty you'd garner with those customers. Imagine you've got the choice between two companies. One's going to tell you when something's going wrong and put it right be and awesome. make it good for you. The other isn't. I think you're going to go with that one every single time. The one that is actually going to put it right.
0: Right. Yeah. And and the way I uh, see your concept here is you're being proactive and you're most importantly giving your customers the opportunity to have a choice in whether or not they like you or not. Right. Instead of just forcing them. Uh, I can think of several airlines where I felt kind of forced into a negative experience and not having an opportunity to like the brand, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And dude, the thing is as well, if for, so there is, there is a four step framework, which I'll, I'll go
1: through quickly now, which I kind of blasted through right at the beginning Yep. It's identify, monitor, communicate, compensate. So the first step in this, you've got to spend some time identifying the things that annoy your customers. then you have to set up systems to be able to monitor those things in the experience in real time and i I call this proactive experience recovery there's an argument to say it's not it's not proactive it's just active it's just Mm -hmm. active as the experience is happening but then you have to monitor the experience in the experience to notice when these things happen and when you notice something's gone wrong you communicate to the customer that you know something has gone wrong and the customer might not have even noticed themselves yeah, but you're you're communicating to them that this thing has gone wrong and then compensate, put it right. And it doesn't necessarily always have to be a monetary compensation. It could just be putting the thing back on track. But look, some sort of gesture goes a really long way towards changing how a customer feels, especially when they don't have to ask for it. As soon as the customer calls up and complains and asks for compensation, it doesn't matter what you do. It's kind of it's hollow because they've had to ask for it whereas if you reach out and proactively say hey look here's this thing now the smart thing about this the business sense that comes from this is let's say those 96 customers i think it's something like 91 okay. percent will not use you again but i don't know if it's, i can't remember it doesn't matter a big bunch of people are never going to use you again if you say to those people if you will have reached out to them and said look Here's 20% off of your next whatever with us. Right. It all but guarantees that they will try and use you again. It all but guarantees you get a second chance. So it's actually quite smart. Mm. So it means that, okay, that 4% of people that you deal with the the complaint with, okay, they might use you again. They still might not use you again. You don't really know that.
0: Yeah. But these are the
1: people that never actually complain, the type of people that don't complain, which is probably the majority of people watching this right now. No, I don't bother complaining to companies because I know there's no real point.
0: I don't know. If, are you a complainer? So that's funny you ask. Um, I did a presentation a few months back and I will actually, I guess about a year or two back because we were able to do presentations And I remember them from from back in the past. Yeah, Yeah, it feels like I think it was the Oregon Trail days. I I, I'm trying to remember. Uh, Everybody like died of yeah
1: disease and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, we were pushing around Conestoga wagons or whatever they were, right? But I was giving a presentation and James a little bit about my background. I worked at TripAdvisor for a few years, so you know I like to say I at least was understanding the importance of reviews. Um, but when I positioned to the, uh, the, the audience, you know, how many of you are actually leaving these reviews? Who's writing all of these reviews? You know, you can find reviews on towels, on socks, on all of these crazy things. Who's leaving a review? And I don't actually have any stat, but uh, almost none of their hands came up. So the way I see it, and this is my opinion only, you're only gonna leave a review if it was truly an exceptional experience, of course, or truly a putrid, awful experience. Yeah,
1: 100% man, it's like, because when I talk about customer feedback, I say that there's only really four types of people that mm-hmm. give feedback. And of course, reviews are feedback. Right. You've got the serial feedbackers, they're people that do it as a hobby. They love right. doing it. It's like they look for any excuse to give feedback or write reviews. Right. They're usually weird. If you've ever actually <laughs> come across them in real, encounter them in the wild.
0: Thanks for saying what I didn't want to
1: say. Yes. Yeah, they're, they're weird. But they exist. So you got those people. And it's a small percentage of your overall customer base are going to be the serial feedbackers. You've got the extreme feedbackers, which is exactly what you just said. If something is extremely good or extremely bad, mm. they will do the feedback. It's, there's very few situations where people come back from a restaurant and go, you know what? That was just about adequate. i better leave a review. Yeah. It, it, it just doesn't happen. Extremely good or extremely bad. You've got the incentive feedbackers. That's number three. So they're the people that might leave a review or feedback if there's an incentive, if they could win an iPad or whatever. Right. But again, that comes with its own problems because who's going to win the iPad? The person that goes, I hate this establishment. Everyone's lame and your food sucks. Or the one that goes, me and my family build memories to cherish here at this estate. Right. It's going yeah. to be
0: wonderful. This table over here. Right.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. and then you got people like me and probably most people out there. We don't bother doing it. We don't bother doing feedback because we've been trained over the years that it's kind of pointless, it's kind of worthless. Because companies don't really do very much with the feedback they get given, I've been trained by these companies not to bother giving feedback because there's no point. I can't remember one time I've ever given feedback and actually a company's called me up to talk about it. I can't remember one time. And the annoying thing is, let's say there's a 100 companies out there and you are the one that does do something with the feedback you take every little bit of feedback you call the customers you talk to them about the experience you action it you improve your processes you improve your experiences you become a better company because of it it doesn't matter overall i'm still being trained that if i give 100 pieces of feedback
0: most of the time it's not going to happen so you don't mean uh you mean a little emblem or logo next to your name for leaving 100 reviews isn't enough to excite you for it no i think maybe not but however right if somebody wants i, I have this idea
1: for a review site i'm mm-hmm. not going to do it myself so if you want to do it or someone else wants to do it you just cut me in when you sell it for billions right imagine so right one of the problems with feedback and reviews is standards and expectations so let's say we go to mcdonald's for lunch mm-hmm. because we're classy right is out. yeah we do the exact same order and we get the exact same meal prepared in the It's literally identical. But I give it five stars, and you give it one star. Mm. Who's correct? Who's correct? Yeah. They're both correct. It was exactly. Our- and that's a problem. Yeah. Because it doesn't take into account our personal standards and our personal expectations. So imagine, if you will, imagine a review site that kind of matched you up with people that have similar standards and similar expectations so it maybe you've got to have a little bit of history in there in there but it says okay this person rated mcdonald's five stars this person rated mcdonald's five stars maybe we can match them together and they can learn from each other so you start to see reviews from people
0: that actually have got similar standards to you how about that yeah it makes sense it's almost like a dating profile for reviews yeah man there's the idea james What I'm saying.
1: So can someone? I'm too lazy to do. Can someone else do it and just cut me in?
0: Ah, yes. Well, uh, so we're aligned on that. I have the same feeling and sentiment. Um, So, uh, James, before we let you go, because we're already at 22 minutes past the. the Oh, sorry. No, this is this is this is wonderful. Um, Any other forward thinking? Uh, Maybe you can just say, I can't wait to get back on a stage and talk. What are you? What are you looking forward to? And what are you expecting? To come out of this digital transformation period well the thing it's it's one of those things where when people say oh when the world goes back to
1: normal i don't think it is going to go back to normal i think mm. it's it can go it can become better again where we can interact with people but because of how quickly people have had to adopt digital and adopt technology when if a vaccine works and covid goes away nobody's going to go okay we can just switch that off now It's all going to stay there. And I think there's not going to be a mass exodus of people just cancelling the Zoom accounts going, oh, we don't need to. My prediction is 2021, there's going to be a lot of cheap office space Mm. because there's a lot of CFOs looking at their paperwork going, everyone's working at home. You mean we didn't have to pay this all this time? So there's going to be a lot of cheap office space, a lot of empty offices out there. Mm. But I I don't think we're going to roll back with, with the digital thing when it comes to actually events again i think there might be some pent-up um want for live events probably because we've all been working at home so next yeah. time somebody comes along and says hey there's a live event in real life at this venue they're gonna be like sign me up i don't care what it's for I don't any um dude when the vaccine comes i don't care if it's got microchips in it it's going straight in my neck yeah I need, to- <laughs> I need to get back on stage i need to get in front of people
0: isn't it day one over there? I think it's day one over there. Yeah, but it's like for old people. Yeah. Oh, so we don't fit into that yet. Right. Nah. But uh, as soon as, as soon as I'm allowed to have it,
1: straight in the neck vein. Yeah, just right.
0: like uh, old school with the tranquilizer dart in the neck, right? Yeah, I'll take it, man. Yeah. In the eye. Okay, don't care. Just get it in my bloodstream. <laughs> <laughs> well, James, it was an absolute pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, you are a behemoth in the customer experience space, so I know your time. Albeit, you're saying you've got a little more time these days. No, oh, I, was, I was kind of joking. I'm doing loads of virtual stuff. It's, it's this is uh, exceptionally cool to have you on board. Thank you for joining me. Cheers, man. So, uh, awesome session. Uh, it was obviously, as I mentioned, a pleasure to have James here. Next week, December 15th, we have our uh, same time as always, 11 a.m. Eastern, with Pauline Bellick of IWD to talk about merchandising excellence. And then I think that closes out our December in in 2020. Uh, We'll see if Fritz, I see Fritz nodding on the back. It does close out our 2020. Uh, This was a ton of fun. Uh, Thank you all. And I'll see you next Tuesday at 11 a.m.